Hey dudes and dudettes, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 37 of the LaPrest and Guest Podcast. My guest today is my friend Tyler Welsh. Tyler comes on the podcast to discuss his newfound hobby, woodworking. Tyler talks about the challenges of taking it from a hobby to trying to turn it into a business. Tyler has some of the best wood around, and if you, like myself, are trying to get your hands on Tyler's wood, be sure to check out his Facebook page, Welsh Wood, with more information in the episode description. Thank you so much to all of my friends, family, supporters, listeners, and guests who have been with me through the LaPress and Guest Podcast. I am so grateful for your support. I apologize that the audio is still a work in progress. I've never done anything like this before, but knowing that you guys are in my corner sticking with me makes it all worth it. I promise you I will get this audio crystal clear. And last but certainly not least, a special thank you to the women and men of our United States military for without your bravery dedication and sacrifice, I would not be able to do what I love doing. I am forever and always in your debt. And then just kind of just ease into it, man. So All right. Don't think about it too much. Like we're we're already recording. We're live right <laughs> okay, now. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming over, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. I'm excited because I think by the time I drop this, you're actually I'm planning to drop this episode not tomorrow, but next Monday. Okay. So then I will have given Atchel and Jenny their beautiful gift that you uh designed for Fantastic. Them. Yeah. So I I yeah, I've just been blown away and I had to get you over here because I am infatuated by your wood. There's no way there's no other way around it, Tyler. I'm just gonna cut straight to the chase. All right. You've got immaculate wood, my friend. Has anybody told you that? I haven't. Not that, not particularly that way, but. <laughs> well, well, they should. They should. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'm with my buddy Tyler Welch, and um, I wanted to have him on the podcast because I wanted to talk to him about a few subjects, but in particular, your your hobby with woodworking. Is that what you would call it? Yeah, woodworking. How'd you get into that? Oh, it's, it's a lot of different factors that's kind of come together um are you a type of guy who's always looking for a new challenge and next adventure yeah i need i definitely have to have something to have my mind focused on at all times you need constant (laughs) stimulation yeah i need constant stimulation what Mm -hmm. do you what do you do for relaxation when you kind of need your mind or your body to just be off for a moment and drink beer with my friends there it is there (laughs) it is okay i mean that's the obvious thing all right man i am uh what type of beers do you tend to gravitate towards? Uh, Michelob Ultra. I'm basic. Oh, a <laughs> yeah. golf beer. Well, I used to work at a liquor store and I was really big into trying out all the IPAs and everything. Had hundreds of different types of beers. Yeah. But I just like easy beers to drink. So. Yeah. I actually lost my taste for most IPAs. Yeah. I would enjoy them. You know where I ended up getting into IPAs at? Where? Was at NASCAR. Okay. When we went to NASCAR. <laughs> oh, and um, I think Courtney Kennedy, she was a Terrapin rep at the time. Oh, yeah. And we were going to go out for, uh, as you like to say, a B-double-E-double-R-U-N, beer run. <laughs> yeah, we were going to go on a beer run. And she's like, I'm almost on my way to the track. You guys won't need any beer. We're like, Courtney, we're, that's cute, but we're pounding beer. She's like, I promise you, I'm so confident I have so much beer that if you think you need more beer, I will drop my beer off and leave. And she had more than enough. So I love free beer. Yeah, just drinking those IPAs and that uh, Labor Day heat. Oh, it's so hot in the inside the NASCAR track. How many of those uh, race weekends did you go to? Uh, just two. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you go to one when they did it in February? Because they ended up changing the weekends for Atlanta. I do remember one time spending the night in that bus, and it was so cold I thought I was yeah. going to die. Yeah, it was, it was February. <laughs> I did it, not bring anything like... 
Atlanta's race weekends are either just incredibly hot and humid or freezing. <laughs> There's no in-between. We can't just get a nice, easy, relaxing race weekend. That was fun to see NASCAR up close. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's <laughs> the way to experience NASCAR for the first time, you know? Yeah, you definitely, I think, want to get in the infield yeah. and um, find a... And we were fortunate because Atlanta at the time did have the Labor Day weekend races. Yeah. And they were night races. So they just turned it into a big party. You've got college football weekend right. going then, too. And then Kane's dad having that bus. I mean, that was clutch. That's the way to do it. That was clutch. A lot of a lot of good memories. Did did we tell you that Kane and I ended up getting on the track and doing a lap around? No. Yeah. What do you mean you did a lap around? Um, At night, we ended up. Find, like taking a blanket or a sleeping bag, throw it over the top of the fence because they had like a barbed wire. Yeah, and stuff like that. No way. We climbed over and did a lap around the track walking. Oh, yeah. I and wish I was there for that. We we ended up getting uh, picked up and escorted off. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. We broke a bottle on the track. Oh, gosh. You can't do that. No, especially when it was like three in the morning and it was dead quiet. Oh, my gosh. Yep. The cops were real alert and they... Uh, they you can... stick out like a sore thumb on a flat track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not hard to spot out there. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, we successfully did a lap around Atlanta Motor Speedway. So nice. Got that. Got that claim to fame. Yeah. So man, your your woodworking projects are fascinating. Back to nice. that question, how'd you get into it, man? Uh, a lot of different things. Um, you know, I was just drawing for fun, and my friend was like, "You should sell these at a music festival." So. I tried that and got a taste for selling art. And I was like, well, this is interesting. It's, it's interesting having my idea that someone buys and hangs up in their house. Like that's such a interesting feeling. Yeah. Cause we're, and I'm not meaning this as a pejorative at all, but were you doing like the adult coloring books or something like <laughs> no. that to like, how'd you get started in the artwork for some reason? Um, I, I was just kind of, I saw doing that stuff. Uh, in high school, I took an art class, and I was just better than everybody. Oh, <laughs> man. Nice. Nice. But I never really took it seriously because, I don't know, I, I don't think art is necessarily that exciting. It um, would have been so awesome <laughs> if you had taken it like a competitive sport where you're just trash talking your fellow <laughs> yeah. classmates. Yeah. That would Look be at fun. that stenciling. It sucks, Gordon. <laughs> Yeah, if I had my friends in there, it definitely would have turned into that. Yeah. Um, so when you first started doing your artwork drawings, were they by freehand? Were you just looking yeah, at a piece hand. of... And are you looking at a piece of artwork? Or are you just getting inspiration in your mind? How are you? Well, you know, growing up, in, up until like 25 years old, I was just really good at looking at something and drawing it. And, you know, my dimensions and proportions were all really good. But I never really thought about doing anything creative where I... I made something brand new that's never been seen before you know um but once i started doing that you know everybody on facebook starts to like it and just kind of got the taste for it. it's like i could do this how do you even get into selling it at festivals like how do you reach out and get do you have to get like a vendor um, pass or you, something that's the legal way to do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and we, we only deal with legality here on right, the press right, and gas so right. but yeah there's thousands of people just camping and we would just walk around and see if anybody wanted to buy prints um, which music festivals did you start this out uh, at? I did Bonnaroo and Halloween, mm-hmm. um, and sold about 60 prints. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. <laughs> do you think it would work at certain music festivals and not at well at others? Like, do you think you'd be able to sell as many at music Midtown in our backyard? Um, I think camping festivals are better because I was going to say, does it kind of go with a certain 
like because yeah, people were walking around selling all kinds of random stuff at, at festivals yeah um just whatever you could want you know yeah i've i've heard i've heard <laughs> like I, jewelry art and other things yeah um, <laughs> because we've also done the hangout music festival together too yeah, yeah. do you think festival. you do you think you could get um do your type of artwork at the hangout music festival it does feel like it's um, gotten more edm music as could, of late it could fit in there i don't know how easy it would be to sell there um mm-hmm. i don't know but I don't love selling pieces of paper, so that's why I switched to wood. Um, what was that? I just what, think that? What was it about paper? It, it's about increasing value. Um, I think that wood has some inherent value, and people are more like... I think I can create something that people value easier with wood mm-hmm. than paper. Like I don't think most people buy prints for their house to hang up in their house. Uh, no, yeah, and again, the, the sign I just got from you is gorgeous, and I think if you kind of created something similar... On print, I think it would still be great, but I think I'd end up going for wood, even if it was right. at the same or even more cost, because right. these designs are impressive. Yeah. Um, and kind of one of my motivations was I wanted to turn my like my drawing art into wooden art. So I wanted to make it 3D, like some of the things that I've already done. Because, okay. Because it, would just, it just has that inherent value, the wood. Um, People are looking to decorate their house. I think I can create value for any person on the planet in some way. That's awesome. But man. I don't think I can do that with paper. Really? Yeah, I don't think I can make something that is valuable to any person in the world with paper. But with wood, I think I can. Do you think there's is is it more challenging to create something with wood than it would be on paper? Um, so it's easier for me because um, I could draw everything on a computer. I can draw mm-hmm. with numbers. What type um, of program you using on the computer? I like AutoCAD for okay. engineers. I use an engineering program. Okay, like so I don't know much about engineering okay. or stuff like that. So I'm I'm legitimately curious. So it's like the same program I use at work when I'm designing, you know, mm-hmm. structural stuff. Um, and I just draw when I come home. What do you have to be conscious of? Because I'm guessing an AutoCAD drawing wouldn't transfer the same way from paper to wood. Would um. It? So what I do. To get go from paper to wood, if I have a paper drawing, mm-hmm. I'll just take a screenshot of that paper or take a picture, put it in AutoCAD as like a watermark, and then I'll just trace it with the program. Ah, that's gotcha. one of the that's one of the ways to do it. There's a lot of different ways. Yeah, because paper is a pretty flat, smooth surface where right. each piece of wood's going to be a little bit different, a little right. bit rougher. So, so I'll take it and I'll trace the outlines of all the different things, and then I'll just extrude different uh sections of that project so that it's 3d and just so i know you know what it means go ahead and tell us what extrude means (laughs) um i obviously know but i want to make sure you know right um let's just take a 2d object and turn it into a 3d object so it'd be like taking a a square and turning Mm -hmm. it into a cube you would just lift it you would just raise it gotcha so go from 2d to 3d gotcha and then what type of are did you start out with um what are your tools that you're using to Oh, carve carve these sort, wood. All sorts of stuff. So another reason I got into wood is because my dad has this massive wood shop that's bigger than my house. Um, was that the house that we um, ended up doing a canoe trip down? Uh, probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you came for that. Yeah, dude, it was way back in the day. Well, <laughs> yeah, you probably had several every... canoe trips, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Several canoe trips, and we did start from there so a few times. That one, um, my partner for that canoe trip was old Salzy. Okay. <laughs> and the way he was getting in the canoe, I it didn't look like he had much canoe experience. <laughs> and so I said, "Hey, do you want to sit in the front or the back?" And he replied so incredulously that I was like, I don't think he understands what it means to sit in the back of a canoe and what responsibility you have. Right. I was like, okay, I'll let you sit in the back of the canoe. And right as we get on the water, there's some like rock or something, little 
shallow rapid that we have to avoid. And I was like, Sal's get us to the right, get us to the right. He's like, why aren't you fucking steering, man? Why aren't you fucking steering? I was like, because you're in the back of the canoe and you want it to be in the back of yeah, the canoe. Back of the canoe and when I, has more control over steering. And when I asked you about it, you said you knew what you were doing. <laughs> and then he's like, the back of the canoe doesn't steer. And then Rick Scott just paddled by. He's like, yes, it does. So, uh, yeah, uh, fun fact for yeah, people. Yeah, those are who, fun. I do, I do enjoy, miss those canoe trips. Yeah, and that was the one where I think we were trying to toss the football between each other in the mm-hmm. canoes. And then at the very end... Rick Scott stands up to just heave it to someone, throws it, and then ends up tipping him and Jamie over. Into I the forgot river. all about that. But yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, Great that, times. Yeah, those were fun trips. Yeah. So you were saying your dad, his house at like kind of your shop there. Yeah. So I do all my work right now at my dad's shop until I earn enough money to. I, I do all my podcasting my at my mom's house, you know, until I can <laughs> get my own studio. House. That's what we do. Yeah. So, uh, but we're creating yeah. gems out of these yeah, we're things. Creating. I mean, that's yeah. important. Just keep creating. Eventually, something great will happen. Do you know how many successful businesses started out started out in parents' right, basements, right? I'm and like garages? the next, you know, uh, yeah. Jeff Bezos. That's what yeah. I like that's think. that's. Hey, hey, I'm Bezos. I'm the bald one. You son of a bitch. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> you, you can become someone else. Okay. okay I'll, I'll have to think of. People are only partially bald. Um, I think I think there were I think the vineyard got, vines guys started in like their parents' basement, you okay. know. So there okay. there are some handsome chaps. You've got you've got a good looking mug okay, on you. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. So did he have a lot of the tools and machinery oh, yeah, ready he, to go? Yeah, he has pretty much everything already. Um, the one thing, the addition that I made was the CNC machine. The which, what machine? The CNC. Um, what does that do? The CNC is where I can program in the computer and cut out whatever shape I want. Okay. And that, that was like the game changer for that shop. Uh, for me to be able to create the stuff I want to create. Um, Are you trying to get your own shop or build your own shop yeah, on yeah, your yeah. property? So right now I'm saving for a $20,000 uh, CNC machine for my house. Okay. Uh, so one project at a time. It's going yeah. to be a while. but. Are you trying to... Is this a hobby for you? Are you trying to grow it into a business? Like, where do you see this going? Well, um, my last real thing on my bucket list is create it and operate a successful business. Um, it's one of the things I have to do in my life. Why do you feel you have to do it? Uh, well, my dad did it. So I feel like if he can do it, I can do it. If I have him as my mentor, you know. Um, and I don't know. It's just like the last adventure that I haven't really gone on. Okay. I'm just very curious about it and. So let me ask you this and what happens because again, your woodworking and your artwork is so good that it, it to me, it's not a matter of if, but when it takes right, off and this, right. and you're so driven and determined, smart and resourceful, it, it it's going to happen for you. What, what happens if it happens quicker than you expected? Let's say seven years from now, you've got a pretty decent small business where you're able to make a living, maybe provide for, you know, employ an associate or two. Mm-hmm. Last. What would your next adventure be, or would that be truly oh, your just last? Be growing that some more, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other adventures, like seeing the world and stuff. I'd love to ride a bull. I mean, that's a big adventure. Really? I'd love to run with the bulls. I'd love to. Would I mean, you want to ride or run with a bull first? Uh, ride, probably. Man, you can I, take classes for that in Atlanta or in Georgia. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I'm sure you can, man. Man, those... and they match you with like the athleticism of certain bulls you know so like if you're God, so my bull would be like shredded <laughs> yeah could you imagine oh, bull, i don't even think they would have such a bull. Dude, your bull would be jacked yeah you might have to ride two bulls at the same time yeah 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 <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely i'd have to double bull yeah you know never uh, been done before but. never been done before i'm just riding them like water skis <laughs> just on their ride yeah yeah that's a great image god man i know bull riders take a 
fucking beating, dude. And I think a lot of them end up having CTE. Yeah. Well, they, they do it a bunch, and I only need to do it once. You know? yeah. like, Why not just go to the battery and go to PBR and ride the bull? Because that's lame. <laughs> if, I mean, if you I, get like, enough, I, I like watching people do it. You get enough Michelob <laughs> Ultras in you, I promise you, it'll become very real very quickly. Right, right. No, I think it could be fun, but that's not the stage that I want to be riding a bull on. Yeah, you know? for sure. For but, sure. And it wouldn't be near as cool of a picture to have me on a mechanical bull versus a real bull. Would you be one of those bull riders that just wears a cowboy hat and just gets after <laughs> no, it? Or would you I put would the hockey mask on? I'm not trying yeah. to die out there. <laughs> I would have the hockey mask. Well, then, if you're not trying to die, I would just avoid riding the bulls altogether. I'm <laughs> well, not... The way I see it is these guys who ride bulls, they they ride, ride bulls hundreds of times, and they never have any problems. So why can't I just ride it once? I'm not sure that's actually completely true. <laughs> so we... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the facts in front of me, but if I had to just well, wildly you speculate, take your eyes. Well, like people die skydiving, that didn't stop me from skydiving. Yeah, that to me, and I, JT would always try and get me to go skydiving. I was like, no, sir, not until like the very end of my life. And he's like, why? I was like, I can't get my mind past the fact that it just seems like it's almost attempted suicide. <laughs> you know, it it, it yeah. seems like you're trying to just really flirt with that. I have a hard time just. As I've gotten older, I've become an increasingly more nervous flyer. I used to okay. love flying when I was a younger kid, and now I'm just not really enjoying it. I know, statistically speaking, flying is safer than driving. But you don't want to die like that. My <laughs> issue with that is, one, there's probably way more cars on the road than there are planes in the air. Okay. And typically, I feel once a plane is in air... If it crashes, you have a much better time of walking away from a car crash than you do a right. plane crash if the plane is in air. Right. And there's been several plane crashes where the entire plane has died throughout yeah. history. I mean, it's yeah. happened many times. And I also just enjoy driving. I love doing yeah. road trips. I've done a bunch of cross-country road trips. I've driven up to from Georgia to Maine four times. I've done pennsylvania to florida just dozens of times i've done california to georgia and north carolina about four or five times um i love doing road trips i i want that's one of my goals i want to do is i want to take a like year-long road trip almost mm -hmm. around the country that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah what uh so is that your last big adventure that's it that's, <laughs> that's it. it yeah <laughs> i was thinking of this almost like podcast series called 50 and 52 where i get all 50 states okay. in 52 weeks over the course okay. of the year and the thought being since i was born in pennsylvania and now live in georgia i would spend mm -hmm. like a week or two each in there to kind of my friends just got done doing that last year really yeah really yeah and then i just want to like meet local people and stuff and just have a podcast and talk to them like almost kind of like a tourist like <laughs> hey why should we come to your state or stuff like yeah. that or just Again, I just like having good conversations with people. And so. you can find something great to do every week too, probably. Yeah, I wanna. I've been I've been thinking about conversion van lifestyle for a little bit. Okay. That's been on my mind. Okay. Yeah, I think that could be fun. Yeah, right that seems like something that would suit you, man. <laughs> no, no, you no. wouldn't. I mean, maybe, maybe when I was younger. Yeah. I don't know. I. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, you because, so yeah, you you're about to go to Hawaii. Yeah, right. Next weekend, going to Hawaii. Yeah, Did, were you that. able to find anybody for for the pup? Oh yeah, I got somebody. Watching. All right, all right, yeah. Because I was going to say I could have helped you out when I got back from Philly. So that. yeah, if anything does come up, just let me know. But I'm getting a pretty good rate. Someone's coming to my house and just watching them for thirty five dollars a day. I'm pretty happy with that. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! Good. My dog doesn't even have to leave the house. Like it's perfect. Good, good. Yeah. What kind of pup do you have? Uh, Great Pyrenees. Hmm. Okay. She's she's like a hundred pounds. Okay. 
you know, white as snow, super awesome. soft. I mean, she's she's an angel. How long have you had her for? Uh, two years. Oh, God, dogs are the best. <laughs> they really it, are, man. Did you get her when she was young? Was she like a rescue? How old is she now? So my tennis captain found her on the side of the road when she was a puppy. Okay. Um, they didn't find any uh, microchips in her, took her to different places, advertised, could not find where she came from. So, mm-hmm. And they were just holding on to her for a long time, and they decided, they asked anybody on the tennis team if they wanted a, a dog, and I was ready for one at that time. How'd you get into tennis? How long have you been playing that? Uh, I mean, since middle school. Really? I'm super casual player, though. Like, I only play on match days. I don't ever practice. Yeah. So, how, how do you do on the match days? I do pretty good. Um, I, I win more than I lose, but I'm not like... Really? I'm not a top-tier uh, tennis player by any means. Do, do I just you go think... out there and drink with my friends and play tennis. Ah, it's about the Michelob Ultras, <laughs> Oh, huh? yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, how does drinking with tennis work? Because with golf, it's understandable. You're just swinging a few times, but with tennis, you're actually running. I feel the edge off for me. Um, really? I feel like I would be yakking with a few Michelob Ultras and just that Georgia summer heat beating down on you. <laughs> well, we don't ever play in the summer because it is too hot. I just do spring and fall tennis. So, oh, okay. Um, how long are the seasons? Uh, just about eight, eight matches, eight weekends. Really? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we got city champ last last season. Really? No thanks to me, but I mean my team. So you guys are the champions of Atlanta. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean for B four tennis, there's like ten tiers higher than mine. Oh, I was I was just <laughs> yeah. about to ask how the tier rankings yeah, are. Yeah. There's like A, B, C, and then there's double A for the people who used to play pro in like college and So on your team, are you guys all the same tier rankings or do you have several different levels? It's like as a whole, your team as a whole is one rank. Mm -hmm. Um, So you play, you play five lines every week, like 10 guys, you play your two best players and then your second two best players and then your third two best players. So like you have five. That seems like a nice way to say the worst players. <laughs> well, the fifth best play, two best, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The very um, bottom best players. Yeah. <laughs> the very, the top 10 best players on our team. Or just whoever's available. A lot of people have enga- prior engagements and everything. Yeah, so they'll only p- play you guys against uh, similar levels? Is that how Yeah, it so work? like if we're in B4 division, we're only playing other B4 teams. Yeah, they're not just going to feed you to the Wolves against them. Right, oh. right, right. How good are some of the other leagues? Have you been able to see some of the other leagues? Uh, yeah, I've seen... I mean, my dad used to play double A, um, and those guys aren't crazy. They're, they're, they are they're good? Crazy good, yeah. They are? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um I golfed a little bit when I was growing up, and every now and then I'll try and get out and get around in. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different levels to how good you are in golf. And it's crazy how, like, me, just an average golfer, if I went to a course and you have what's called the course pro or mm-hmm. professional, who's usually one of the best golfers on mm-hmm. on their payroll and on the staff. Okay. He, would, he or she would be so much better than me, night and day. <laughs> it wouldn't even be close. They would be giving me strokes and playing with a handicap. That way, somebody who's so far off would have a chance based on, like, it's essentially like a grading curve, you right, know? Right, right, right. Um, but if they played against, like, the worst guys on the PJ Tour... They'd get smoked. Yeah, they would get smoked. Okay, and then if the worst guys ask, on yeah. the PJ Tour played against the best... um, I heard this one guy on a podcast say, say it, and it was so appropriate about golf. You have to golf so much just to be shitty at golf. <laughs> yeah, I never got into golf for that Is, is it like it that in like tennis? It's like a big thing to take on. Um... I mean, you're, you're just going to be as good as the people that you play on the same level of like, if, like if you practice one hour a week, you're only going to be playing against people who practice one hour a week, you know, like, yeah, 
Because that, that's the thing is I could go out there and, again, play with a golfer who's really good, which is what's considered a scratch golfer, which means mm. most courses they can go around and shoot the even par. So par, if par yeah. was 72 strokes, you can usually get all 18 holes done in 72 strokes. Right. right? right. I'd be in the hundreds, you know, <laughs> and like for starting out, that's actually pretty good. And that's then, actually pretty and then good. you have one season where you dominate, and the next season you go up a rank and you, you get humbled real quick. <laughs> yeah, but I could go out and play against somebody else who is so much better than me. And again, with the strokes and the handicap system, I, in theory, could beat them, even right, though right. it's pretty obvious by the play. With the handicap. I mean, there's an asterisk next to it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's something like my six strokes right. equal his four strokes or right, something right. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, does that does the tennis help you out? with? Do you still do races? Uh, I run still. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't really call it racing. Uh, I Not right, but you I do just like to run long distances just to stay in, stay in good shape. Um, do you do this by like entering races or just go out and train in well, all runs? There's just a ton of uh, races you can sign up for at all times. Um, Atlanta does three big ones a year, but there's also like probably 15 random races sprinkled in there. Which are the three big ones that Atlanta uh, does? Peachtree Road Race is the 10K, which is, is that the fourth? six miles on 4th of July. Yep. Okay. And then the Atlanta 10-miler, um, which is in like September. Okay. And then the Thanksgiving Day Half Marathon. Um, and if you do all three of those, you get a special medal called the Triple Peach. And I got got that last year for the first time. Nice. And really I'm guessing, but does it have to be in a calendar year? It's got to yeah, be the, in the same, same calendar year. year. They do it every year, and I just like collecting the medals. I don't yeah. know something about it. So I couldn't do uh, the first two legs this year, and then next year do the Invesco QQQ. It wouldn't count, right, even though. Right. Okay. And then they also have the Publix Marathon. Mm. There's like a fourth one for. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever do another one of them. Did you um ever get the hookup code from Axel when he was working at Invesco for no, the free race entries? He yeah. had one of those? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's messed up. Yeah, we got to. Well, you got to reach out to him. You got to reach out to him. No more. No more. Um, yeah, he's he's at, a, oh, he's man, at a, another terrible, company now. Terrible timing to hear about this. Yeah. So, um, although I think they just like change the code every year. Like to they oh, keep the same everything up. 23. Yeah, instead of 22. 22. So I'm going to try that out. Bogo 22. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So have you done a marathon before? Yeah, I did the Disney Marathon. Okay. Uh, which is nice. There's no hills. Except and, for like the bridges going over overpasses. Okay. Uh, over and that. this was at Disney World, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, Disney. It ran through all okay. the parks, which is kind of cool. Could you imagine if it was the Disney Marathon and it's in Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah. No. I could not imagine that. We should do that. We should try and sketch <laughs> like a very misleading marathon name. Like, hey, come to the Universal Studios for 50K. All right. Welcome to <laughs> Wyoming. Can, yeah, welcome to Wyoming. That's funny. Yeah, the next uh, series I want to try to do, uh, they do half marathons in most of the national parks. And Ooh. So you get a little national park that has like yeah. a national park medal. I think it'd be cool to have all them. Are you ever going to get into ultra marathons? No. The marathon was more than enough. Like, r you don't need to run for four hours. Like, how, it's just too how, much. What was your time? For a marathon? Yeah. Um, four hours, 45 minutes. That's impressive. But I only really ran for the first 15 miles without stopping. And then I was like, jog, walk, jog, walk. Yeah, were you doing some of that? Yeah. I only trained up to like 13 miles in my training, which was a bad call. Okay, but, so what did your training look like? And what would you do differently yeah. if you would work to do another full marathon? Um, just train longer distances. Mm -hmm. Just run farther. So the longest in your training runs you were getting up to was around 13? Yeah, probably about half a marathon yeah. Did you just feel you were in good enough shape that your athleticism would get you through, or what yeah, was that? Yeah, didn't too, have time. A little too cocky on that yeah. one. <laughs> nice. Um, 
I could see myself doing another marathon just to run the whole way. Yeah. I, I kind of like. Do you feel you left something on the table? Definitely. Does it eat Absolutely. at you? A little bit. Is is that eighth grade art school Tyler just being like, <laughs> just feel like you're such a bitch? You just... Well, I don't feel I don't feel terrible about it. No, no, only, no, God, only no. like half a percent of the human population has run a marathon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm only making fun of you to make up for my own insecurities about okay, not running a marathon. Okay. That's that's what's going on All here. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So how like time wise, how long did you train for? Uh, a couple months. Do you think? And I was working night shift at the time, so I'd be mm. at home at like three in the morning, just mm-hmm. run, and then, I don't know. It was, would all, you, it was always dark, and I would twist yeah. my ankle sometimes because I couldn't mm-hmm. see the road. And Yeah. Yeah. So maybe approach it a little bit differently. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, considering like working the night shift and what you had to work with, you know, kudos to you. That's impressive right. as hell. Like you said, just very few people in the world actually have completed that. Definitely, so definitely felt good. Yeah. Even even though I didn't run the whole way. So do you think you'd also need a longer training program on top of running more miles or maybe just I just push myself a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get you get out what you put into it. Yeah. Um, are you actually in your training programs or most training programs? Are you ever supposed to actually run a marathon distance before doing the marathon? You're supposed to run up to like 22 miles or 20 miles. Hmm. Get close to it. I mean, you can run 26, but yeah. most people just run near 26. Like if you can do up to 20, you can do 26. What's what's the thinking behind that? Is there any like science behind that? or I'm like sure you know why? behind it. Do you know why it's... Um, well, your body gets used to a certain amount. The you muscular can endurance. Put, you can always push yourself a little bit further. But mm. then what, you, you plateau after couple extra miles after your what you train for what's your ideal like whether it's for recreational or a race what's your kind of ideal distance that you love running uh i mean i feel really good after half marathon really still yeah what's that 13 one 13 miles yeah what are you getting that done in two and a half i shoot for two hours really yeah that's awesome so a good a marathon time that i would feel really happy with is four hours so I'd have to shave 45 minutes off. Yeah, four hours is great. And uh, man, I, I think you, I think I could, you could get could there if it, you want to. I have to dedicate more of my time to yeah. it. And right now I'm full-time like woodworking on the side. So yeah. Every day. Yeah. Is that what's consuming most of your weekends? For sure. Yeah, woodworking and then just coming around. Well, to actually, us. most of my weekdays. I, I'd, I'd take a break on weekends. I probably shouldn't. I really? should probably work more on the weekends. Oh, dude, you, it, it's 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 about balance. You've got to have a balance in life, right? Yeah. Do you think if you were just going on weekends, it would maybe uh, you'd maybe lose some of your passion for it if you were just grinding Possibly. on it? All the- I do worry about burnout. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a real possibility. Um, and I would get burnout if I made the same projects over and over again. I just love creating new things, though, like mm-hmm. things that I haven't made before. What's been the most challenging one for you to create in woodworking? Um, that UGA one was pretty tough. The one that I just did. Oh, the um, national champion. Did you see it? Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, that one's tough. Um, I'm just not that good of a woodworker yet. I'm like a mediocre woodworker. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dude. I the, just have, I have a, a good, a great mentor who's been woodworking I, forever. So he helps me. With, the, the stuff I see <laughs> online, and again, the gift you just gave me shows anything but mediocre. I think right. you've got a mediocre opinion of your skills right now. <laughs> so, uh, well, like I'm a mediocre artist and mediocre woodworker, but the, Two of them together puts me on a level that's higher than most woodworkers and most artists. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's like a, it's a unique pairing. It's a, yeah. um, 
Yeah, it gives you a little edge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I know what it's like, though. I feel like I'm a mediocre podcast host, and then I'm like, whoa, I'm actually not even that good. <laughs> we're, we're, But you're an above average, you know, communicator, and uh, so. You know, it's so funny. I was talking to a friend last night. I was over at their place, and we were watching the UFC fights. Mm-hmm. And I felt as soon, because that's what my degree was in, was communications. And I felt as soon as I finished the degree, I immediately started looking into a master's program and actually got accepted into Kennesaw State. So going to be nice. pursuing oh, one recently? There. Yeah, I'm going to oh, start congrats, up in the man. summer. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's exciting. How gonna, many years is that, that going to be? Um, I don't know, because I think I'm going to pursue what's called a double out program. Okay. So that is where you're pursuing another undergrad. And okay. then some of those credits are also going to transfer into like... I think up to nine credits worth of your master's program. Okay. What's the undergrad you're going for? Philosophy. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you read any philosophy books? Or? No, I haven't, but I've always been interested in law and possibly, I don't think law. I would, possibly pursuing a law degree. I don't think okay. I would just because it's almost kind of like the um, where you're at with marathons. Is mm-hmm. I, I've enjoyed it when I've looked into it and I've done it. It's just, I don't think I want to... <laughs> like put all of that time towards that. Yeah, there's a pursuit. lot of, you definitely got to put a lot of time to be a master. A that. ton. And man, dude, when I took a, um, a few law classes in college, there was just so much boring reading you had to do to, before you actually got to the pertinent material. Right. You know, yeah, you just had to imagine you had to read a whole bunch of numbers and letters and codes about what code and violation and statute it was. And then you actually get into the meat of the material and you're like, I'm, I'm 50 pages in already. <laughs> so it's a lot of reading. I don't think I would, want to commit to that and again just as i'm doing this podcast um i know philosophy is really good for helping people who want to be communicators building arguments of logic and reason and Mm -hmm. i want to get better about i don't think i'm good about like maybe um i can get persuaded real easily and i can't always necessarily pick out like false arguments and red herring so i want to just educate myself and just i do enjoy the process of learning and kind of going to school and philosophy helps you understand the world better too. Yeah. So, so the, everything you learn there, I mean, it just, it'll help you for the rest of your life in some, some way, shape or form, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, again, I just love learning and that's why I have friends and great guests on this podcast because I love talking about their passions. So cat, yeah. go ahead. Oh, just being obsessed with learning is a great trait Yeah. to have. Cat Grant, have you ever heard of Strength Finder? Uh, I don't think so. It's essentially like this aptitude test or personality okay. trait test. And their whole concept was that the research they did, they felt most humans were better suited working, like building their strengths and trying to improve their weaknesses. You don't want to neglect the weakness and have it be a complete deficit. Mm -hmm. But they referenced some ping pong team and uh, the coaches really just focused on their serve or something that they were really exceptional at. Uh And when a reporter asked why they wouldn't train on some of their weaker areas, they said that they found that when they just practice on their strengths so much, their weaknesses just ended up going away. So the concept as a book is like finding what your strengths are and leaning towards that. And my number one strength was that I'm a learner. Okay. And that basically means that I love learning a little bit about so many different subjects, not necessarily... Not necessarily a lot about one thing, but I love just getting surface level information about any and every subject. Right. Yeah, I like. I I feel the same way. That's the issue, though. That's the issue. It's because <laughs> you get pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, You're like, yeah. where do I even focus my efforts on? And <laughs> then I've got 19 like quarter started projects and yeah, just and ten half read books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, recently. I was never that way, but I recently just got into that bad habit of where I've started like three books at once. Yeah. And I've always been kind of a one book at a time kind of guy. 
Yeah, yeah, I have that same problem. <laughs> are you are you are you a big reader or oh, try yeah, to be? I love reading. Um, what type of books do you gravitate towards? Just personal development books. That's um, what I'm about. People people call them self help books, but I think only some of them would be considered. So I feel like the ones that focus your mind on like mm -hmm. having a healthier mindset. I feel like yeah. those are more self help books. Yeah. But there's a lot of books like about management, sales, um, psychology of sales. Like yeah, uh, it's more discipline leader, specific. It's not just like, like uh, public speaking. Yes. Um, just. There's tons of books that teach you so much, like how to talk to clients, how to how to be with people and like how to improve your relationships, how, how to be better in your marriages, how to I mean, there's so many books I've read that like the laws of attraction. I mean, there's so much interesting. What's stuff. one of your what are some of your favorite personal development books that you've read that um, you would recommend? You're starting the Lepressing Guest Book Club right here, right now. All right. All right. One that really stuck with me okay. is The Secret, even though it's kind of pseudoscience. Yeah. So, I mean. I go back and forth on my opinions on that. Like, I think it's, um, you've got to understand that I think there is a lot behind how you think and how your mind works and right. kind of manifestation. Right. But the problem is it doesn't only work with thinking it. Actions have to accompany right. those thoughts. But, but you usually don't have actions without thinking it. So yeah, if, it, I mean, if you focus your mind on the right things, I mean, you can do amazing things. Um, yeah. But what I mean by that is, would you be able to turn this woodworking hobby into a business if all oh, you yeah. did was think about just manifesting it and you didn't actually end up well, auto-catting any designs or cutting it? Literally every free second of the day, I'm thinking about woodworking. Even when I'm at my other job, I'm thinking about woodworking. Like all, it's, it's just it's all I think about. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you're actually one of those people who not only you turn those thoughts into actions. Right. I think right. some people think, you just need the thought to get where you're well, wanting to go. Well, that's part of the secret. It says that you got to pair it with big action too. It does say I've got to reread it then. I've got to reread it then. I'll give you the benefit of the I doubt. I mean, there's some one. pseudoscience in there, like where a guy was like paralyzed from the neck down and he just thought to himself every single day that, uh, you know, he was going to walk out of that hospital and yeah. eventually, you know, his thoughts repaired his, I mean, it, it's totally off the wall. Right? Yeah, so it can't, I again, don't I don't know. I don't know whether I believe or disbelieve it, man. Like I definitely think there could be some right. credibility. I mean, there's a that. lot about the universe that we don't understand, and yeah, um, you know how particles behave and yeah. react to each other in a distance. I mean, it talks about all sorts of crazy stuff in there, and I'll, it was really interesting. Yeah, um, my my buddy Joe always would tell me when we were walking to our morning meetings when we were working at a summer camp. Energy attracts energy. Mm -hmm. And I never really gave it much thought when we were walking together. And then one day, months after we're done working at camp, it just dawns on me. And I think I noticed it because I was just in a good mood and I was walking towards someone and they were walking towards me mm -hmm. and they didn't seem like in a good mood. And I just smiled. And even if they gave me like a half-hearted smile, they still smiled. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I would have gotten that smile had I just kind of been frowning and walking towards them. We right. might have just passed each other right. and nothing would have come of it. But that's when I started to kind of i can't i'm go back and forth whether i believe there's got to be some truth you know well, in there too you know it i lost my train of thought there um we we're talking about the oh secret. yeah the secret so it talks about manifesting your you know based on your thoughts and everything and so many other personal development books have the same exact message like it's it transcends all the different yeah, transcends the right word, but um, it goes through all the personal development books that you got to think and act mm -hmm. and think about it. Kind of like in harmony. Yeah, things don't just happen. Like you have to make things happen. Yeah. 
like luck happens when opportunity. You know, so that's, that's that phrase. What's that? My, my de- yeah, I think the <laughs> cliche definition, I believe it, of luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Right. So like luck doesn't happen, but unless you're putting in all the hard work and things just kind of line up, you know? I think some people just think if they think about it constantly and just go about their lives, it will, it will happen, you know? No, definitely not. Like I have the action. Yeah. Like if you wanted to wood, like if we'll apply it to woodworking, like if you were just constantly thinking about woodworking and then you just went to your job and your normal tennis routine and didn't actually start drawing up designs and cutting, chances are it's probably not going to yeah, happen. Not going to happen. All right. So the secret, what, what are some the others? It's like? really good. Um, how to win friends and influence people. Is that Dale Carnegie? Yeah. I mean, it's I've, a classic book that's like known by a lot of readers. I've um, got to read it. I listened to it on audio tape, and that's was the first audio book I listened to, and that's where I found out the who narrates it really makes a difference whether right. you're going to enjoy a book or not. I can't listen to books. It was so monotone. Yeah. There's like you've got to like certain parts of the conversation call for you to maybe get a little quieter, and then you've got to emphasize certain words and phrases, right. and you can't just be. Yeah, so when you want to influence friends and win people, you need to talk to Tyler Welsh and say, Tyler, you are doing a good I'm job. I'm about to fall asleep right now. Chapter four. Yeah. <laughs> you just. Um, have you ever read Leaders Eat Last? Um, I'm so that's one of the books I'm listening to, and it's even though I like I like that guy. What's his name? Simon. Simon's, yeah. How do you pronounce the last name? Cynic. Something like that. But I, I like all of his YouTube videos. Um, he's a really intelligent guy. Have um, you done his start with why? I have not. Yeah, he's my favorite author, but Leaders Eat Last is probably my all-time favorite book. About halfway through listening to that book, but it's one of those things where I just can't listen to it. Like, if I had it in physical copy, I'd probably have read it by now. Do you want it in physical copy? Do you have it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You can walk out of here today with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And <laughs> nice. that'll be that'll be my gift to you. That'll be my gift to you. No charge. Fantastic. And I'll still and I'm still buying you. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Don't don't. I'm not going to be like. All right. That's an even exchange. Like a tip on the end. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what it is. That's what it is. Um. Yeah. And I'm glad we. Uh. Yeah. I wanted to pay you more than what you you were asking because I was like this this is worth way more than what he's asking for. Yeah. I mean, so, it's worth whatever people will pay. That um, that is true. But I'm for the next ten years. I don't really plan on turning profit. Uh, really, I'm Why trying. Not? I'm trying to give more value than I receive. Mm. You know? I'm trying to. I think business really comes down to how much value can you give to a person. Okay. And just business in general, like what can you do for that person? And if you focus on that long enough, eventually the profits will come. Um, I don't want to turn anybody off because of my price. Like yeah. as I'm starting up, that's a great way to do it, man. Um, so I'm like kind of how Uber came in. It was like eight dollars to go anywhere in the city, and. For the longest time, Uber was so cheap, and then all of a sudden, bam, it's cab prices now, yeah. you know? Yep. <laughs> so Uber's not even cheap, but they got in, they weaseled their way in the market by being super cheap. Netflix. And that's kind of like a similar strategy. Netflix that started out at like, what, six, seven bucks a month? Yeah, so cheap. And you were just going to, and back then and they like had... 20? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah. But I think that's a good good plan, just to try to give as much value as possible to people. Um and I really just want to like build up my reviews. Um, mm-hmm. If I have a hundred good like five star reviews, I mean, I mean people are going to start buying stuff. So all right, so where can people go uh, look into this stuff at, um, and how can they I purchase just, some of your woodworking? I mean, and, and do you do any of the actual like um, print drawings anymore, or are you pretty uh, much not really? On, okay. Um, yeah, I'm focusing on wood. Okay. Where where can they uh, look into getting your products? Well, I have the Welshwood Facebook page. I haven't really started inviting anybody to it yet. Okay. Um, kind of right in the beginning stages, just trying to 
keep up with all my demand right now. Yeah, dude, that's um, that's what's tough about this is you've also kind of got to be a social media manager. As much right. as I'm not a big fan of social media and stuff, at this day and age, to not use it, it's kind of to your detriment. Hey, but you love to learn, so. I do love to learn. <laughs> I do love to learn. It should be perfect. So, I'm um, reading a book right now, back to the book thing, uh, called The Obstacle is the Way. And it's pretty interesting. The um, obstacle? Yeah, is the, the obstacle is the way. So in woodworking, I've run into an obstacle or five on every single project. Like I always have some sort of problem, but, and it's, it's, it's frustrating, but you have to remember that the obstacle teaches you so that you don't make those same mistakes in the future. Like every time you have a problem, that's, that's like, it's in your benefit. Actually, you have to think about it being your benefit versus like your, I had a professor and he was from Hawaii and just like, what I would think of a stereotypical Hawaiian, just it doesn't seem like he has a bad day, it's just a positive attitude yeah, yeah. all the time. And well, it's just well, class and life were getting on top of me at that point in time. I was working two jobs um, mm-hmm. because one of them was paying for school and I was working like 60 hours a week on top of trying to finish out school, man. It was just getting on top of me and I was a little late on assignments and just finally called him and talked to him. And I was like, I, I just need a little more time. You know, I'm not asking for any type of special privileges or anything just would love to be able to submit this a little late mm-hmm. take the late points and keep keep moving forward he's like yeah absolutely no problem i was just like i keep hitting these obstacles these obstacles he's like hey just to let you know if you're hitting obstacles it means you're on the right path right and i was like yeah the book says that too if, if you're he not, probably got it from that if you're not hitting obstacles you're not you're not pushing yourself enough um yeah actual right. sent me this one um inspirational um um, Instagram page to follow. And I think the very first quote that I saw when I started following it was we can, um, either stand in the safety towards comfort or walk towards growth. Right. Yeah. And I feel like an ethical obligation to myself, my future wife, my future kids to try to, to grow as much as possible, try to make as much money as possible. Um, you know, if you got things like inflation that just, if you're comfortable, inflation is going to come along and make you uncomfortable. You know, you got to get ahead of it. You got to push yourself. Your wedding day, you can <laughs> literally just use this recording as your vows and just be like, hey, babe, I, I said on the depressing guest podcast, I felt a future obligation to you. I, I was caring yeah. about you before we yeah, even met. I, I do. I care about my future kids already. Um, I owe it to them to try to build a bigger, the bigger empire as possible. Do you ever listen to any motivational or inspirational speakers? Uh I mean, kind of like Joe Rogan will say some good stuff and Jordan Peterson and all those guys. So there's this one guy named Inky Johnson, and he actually grew up in the Kirkwood area. Mm -hmm. And it was just he came from just unbelievably dire circumstances. I think he lived in a one bedroom apartment. Um, A lot of his family members and his uncles were going in and out of jail. And he said he got to sleep in the bed one night out of the week. And it was with five or six other people in the bed. And he talked about, like, now he's a successful public speaker, was this standout athlete in college football at the University of Tennessee, had a tragic accident happen, but just never lost sight of his why or purpose and just overcame every obstacle like you were talking about. Right. And in one of the speeches, I forget what he was saying before, because it's one of those where they cut, like, a lot of speaches he's made and just Mm -hmm. tie it together nicely over just beautiful music. He was talking about, like... I just believe I owe it to myself to give the very best every day. I believe I owe it to my wife and my kids to give the very best every day. He's right. like, I believe I owe it to everybody on earth to give them the very best every day. Right. And um, it seems like you very much kind of embody that mindset. And yeah, that one of my biggest fears is, is unrealized potential. Like go my Ooh. whole life and not achieving the most that I can. Is like, that is that what spurs you into action? It's part of it. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Conor McGregor's got a quote that says, action removes doubt. Do you find that to be true? 
Um, sure. <laughs> I'd have to think on that one for a little bit. Well, um, I, I think it kind of makes sense, you know, because if you're, I, again, you're going to have obstacles when you're overcoming anything. Just you're going to fail a lot. Yeah. But if yeah. you're, if you're active and you keep moving and you're resourceful enough, you're smart enough, you're determined. I do think that. Yeah. I think as long as you're trying, making mm-hmm. good efforts, um, action is definitely better than no action. For sure. <laughs> you can't just be. I, I, I agree with that quote now that I thought about it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you just keep going. I mean, I'm going to make things that people don't like, probably. That's yeah. I mean, I just got to go past it because yeah. a lot of cool things I know I'm going to make, you know. that That's the thing with uh, stand-up comedy that's tough is um, uh, you want to give you want to give the audience, your, your customers, your fans, a, a good show every time. But right. I'm not going to be able to please everybody, and I've right. got to try new material. I can't just keep singing the same songs every time. Eventually, right. I'm, people will get bored, and they'll go on to comics and other entertainers right. who are creating new content and new material. And it sucks because it, you're not going to be 100%, and there are just going to be times where, and I've had it happen, where you just tell a joke, and you think it's going to kill, and you do not get the reaction <laughs> for whatever reason. You're like, okay. Um, yeah, Joe Rogan, I, I remember hearing on his podcast, he said, some of the best like learning moments in his life is when he just bombed on stage. Yeah. It's like comedy acts. He yeah. bombed and he, he felt like it pushed him to try so much harder and to like work so much harder to be better. Yeah. I was talking to Gordon and Panda after one of my sets and I felt it was one of the best in terms of like me being prepared and delivering the lines. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as I got off stage, I kind of smiled because I knew it was a good set. Mm-hmm. But I knew there was so much more potential and I was kind of anxious to get the video recording so mm-hmm. I could start making notes about how to get better. And Gordon was like, what do you think you needed to do better? I was like, I put way too many words into that um, that four minute bit. I just did not let it breathe. As soon as one sentence ended, the next began, the next began and okay. so on and so forth. I didn't let it breathe, didn't let the jokes, yeah. you know, it's good observation. Get, get, the, uh, get the reactions they should get. Okay. Yeah. And I'm trying to get better about an economy of words. You know? How do you feel about watching yourself, like the video of you after? It's it's tough but necessary. You know, yeah. we're always going to be our, our hardest critics, I think, right. you know. So no matter what people think of me, um, it's it's never going to be close to what I feel about myself. So yeah. I, I know I probably need to. How do you how do you find the balance between this is what I always ask people. How do you find the balance between holding yourself accountable and not beating yourself up? You know, how do you personally? because that that's something I've struggled with my entire life, you know, and balance is something I'm trying to work on and I'm, I've gotten better at, at it, but I would be a zero to 100 person where you're either going to get my full heart into it or literally no attempt at all. Well, I'm super hard on myself, but the way I see it is you messed up there. This is a learning opportunity. We go better and we just, we look forward. We don't look backwards. See, mine is just like, it's some of the worst thoughts you would like, <laughs> you, you would say to anyone. And I'm saying it to myself about myself, you know, just not, not giving myself any credit or break or room to breathe or talking to it in kind of a compassionate way you did, you know, you, you acknowledge the mess up, but you didn't harp on it. So my thing is, I just don't let bad thoughts come into my mind. Like I'll think them and they'll be like, okay, that's a stupid thing to think about. That's not, that's hurting me. Like I shouldn't be thinking these things. So let's just go on to something else. And I just think about something else. Mm. I just, I just push all that negative stuff away. Can I learn from it? Yeah, but it Maybe. does seem like, yeah, it seems like you do a good job of acknowledging it, recognize that it happened. And then you just quickly change the station to something positive. Yeah. I mean, 
that's the greatest lesson I learned in my twenties is that, mm. you, you know, you are what you think and you have complete control of your emotions. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it when you're young, but you can choose to not be mad. You can choose to not be sad. You can choose to not be jealous. Like if yeah. you're mind strong. Yeah. Another, another saying that it finally hit me what it actually meant years after my principal used to end every morning announcements with make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. And I was like, that is just so corny. <laughs> I love that. Whatever, I Dr. Galante. And I love her so much. She's so right. cool. She's so rad. And I was like, God, this is so corny, so cheesy. And then I started reading when I was probably in my late 20s, was mm. really going through like a bad phase in my life and just felt like I was going through the motions and I had no purpose. And I was just barely keeping my head above water, you know? And I was like, had to look myself in the mirror and be like, all right, you had an unfortunate set of circumstances happen when you were a child, but how much longer are you going to keep using that as an excuse to hold you back? When you're a kid, it's reasonable and right, it's valid. Right, right, when you're right. a kid, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. tough to keep those kind of thoughts out as a kid. Yeah. You don't even think you can. Like, you don't yeah. think that's a possibility. Yeah. And then I'm just looking around. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm kind of in the same place I was when I was in high school, in college. That's that's not okay. You know? And I was like, all right. I got myself into this hole. But I'm pretty sure I can. It will be tough. But I can get myself out of it. And that's when I started going into those personal development. At that point in time, it was probably self-help books for me. Okay. It probably was self-help books yeah, for mean, me. Those books are good. They're interesting. Like, it's... There's a lot of really good ideas in those books. Yeah, um, there there was. And um, a lot of them say the same thing. It's just kind of right. each author's different takes on it. Right. And almost every book to a T was like, you're responsible and you're accountable for everything in your life. So the way I feel about happiness and and like sadness, I guess, you got two like jugs, yep. right? You Every time you have a thought, whether it's happy or sad, it goes into that. It's like a sorting. Yep. It sorts into it. If you tell yourself bad stuff all the time and you think about the bad stuff all the time, you're just filling that sad bucket up. And when you're down here, it's hard to think think the good thoughts. It's to, tough. To, to outweigh the thing. Like yeah. that's, that's your chemical imbalance right there. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And again, that's where to me that Conor McGregor quote comes in because I just really wasn't doing anything. I really wasn't. Again, I was just doing the basic things to meet basic human needs in like the 21st century, you know, in the, in this century and day and age. And I wasn't, I was just letting life pass me by. I was alive, but I wasn't living. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, man. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. It's, it's tough to get out of well, man. But once you learn how to get out of it, I don't, I mean, me personally, I, I don't think I can ever go back to that feeling again because I know how to avoid it. Mm. Mm. So how did you start? How did, how have you found yourself working yourself out of those, those for bad me, states, those bad moments? For me, it was just becoming a yes man, just starting to do just everything, just to keep my mind off of bad things. Did you study the Jim Carrey movie? Um, <laughs> really just analyze it? <laughs> no, I didn't really there? study it, but I, I had a bad habit of just not doing anything. I just never went out and watched a lot of TV, played a lot of video games. Um, and that was fun. It was, okay. it, but it wasn't doing it. It wasn't helping me have a good state of mind, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So I just started saying, yes, yeah, started doing things, trying things. Tennis concerts, club. Yes. Tennis, concerts. I mean, running. Yes. I mean, running. Yes. Crack just, cocaine. <laughs> yes. Just whatever it is. Get just it to anything me. Anything to anything to build myself and become more and have better stories to tell and basically I'm, getting out there and moving around. Yeah. I mean, you stay in your house, watch TV. You'll never, you'll never get out of depression. I don't think. No. Yeah. And, and that's what I was in, man. Yeah. You got, you got to get out. You got to get sunlight, vitamin D. You got to yeah. get, uh, exercise. You got to eat well. You got to, there's a, it's a lot of work to be happy, but if yeah. you know how to do it, 
like when it's I was easy. when I was in that depressive state, I and I don't mean to trivialize it, but I I thought of that Austin Powers Gold Member movie, and this is kind of what it was: is it's just a cycle. It's like I eat because I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy because I eat. It's a vicious cycle, and it's like you're depressed because you're inactive, but you're you're too depressed to be active, you know, and right. then you're not doing any action, and it just keeps going and going, yeah. and you just you almost just need to have like again blind faith in yourself that you will figure it out along right. the way you're 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 capable of much more We're it, hel- it helps to have good good supportive people around you too like that's another like thing that helps a ton that's another um, thing yeah if your parents are there for you like i couldn't imagine not having two camp- parents that cared about me yeah uh, like that would just be brutal so that's what amy and i talked about yesterday okay. and my um my podcast is one i think what's happening in this world now more than anything is we're just going through a communications crisis. And I think we're a lot closer together us human beings than we are further apart. But I think if you look and you spend a lot of your time on social media and news media, and you're not getting out in the world and interacting oh, with bad. people, you'd have a completely, you're like, Oh, everybody hates everybody. And that's just, that's just not how it is. At least not in my lifestyle, because I'm fortunate enough to have a good, community around me and i talked to amy about i was lucky because i grew up in a one-parent household that i happened to fall into right communities and great groups of friends like people like you and her and the corns and the browns and all of them and all of our other friends and i think about how many kids didn't get lucky like me because we talk about luck preparation mates opportunity Mm -hmm. man some people just don't (laughs) get that opportunity and they're out there preparing all the time yeah it's hard it's hard to get in the right place and yeah uh, some people definitely get have luckier breaks than others um, yeah. you got to make sure the people you're surrounding yourself with are they don't have to like the same things like i'm i've got no interest in like learning how to woodwork or at least that's not where i want to put my time but i like hanging out with you because i see you bettering yourself you know right. and that's what i want to do maybe not in woodworking but i want to better myself right. you know and get better and i think you've got to make sure the community and the people you're hanging out with and interacting the most their goals and values are aligning with yours right you can't have people that every time you get excited about something they they pull you back They're like oh no that's not that cool or oh no you'll never make it you can't have people like that in your life yeah you've got to have you've got to have cheerleaders not vultures right that's a good yeah. Look at that. Look at yeah, that. I quote. like that. Wow. Look at that. Quote. Look at that. That's a Tyler Welch and Nick Lopresti uh, original right there. So I'm going to uh, hang that above our book club. Uh, yeah. Can we make a sign? I'm going to I'm going to hire you out for that sign. That's your, I that, can make that sign. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that. That's at the 56 minute mark. OK. Yeah. You need cheerleaders in your lives, not vultures. Yeah. Maybe I that agree. should be like, we should just, I should have you back on as a guest and we should just try and come up with like sayings and stuff like that to just grow your woodwork. And well, that's another thing, too, man. Like. Where things just have to line up in your life. Like I've, I've tried really hard over the last 10 years to make good, healthy friendships and, and starting to create stuff. Like I, I would not create things if people didn't like, like it, like on Facebook, I, if I didn't see like 50 people or a hundred mm. people like my projects, I would have no idea that it was something that people valued or people could like in their house. Like I would have no idea. I would have never gotten into it. Really? Yeah. It's like seeing people like it and seeing that this is something I can mm. sell. It's you can't do that without building relationships and yeah. And so that it. appreciation and hmm, that's very cool. Tyler. Like I love seeing like when my friends like myself, I can't, I can't do it without them. Like my yeah. friends like my stuff is like, it's so helpful to my mission. Right. Now. Yes. Like it. Yes. <laughs> like it's so helpful. Um, 
Oh, that's I'm like so, so thankful of everybody who's liked all my stuff and commented on all my stuff. And oh my gosh, I I am so grateful as well too. And I, God, I. I wish I could really, this is funny being a communications major. I'm, I'm never going to be able to find the words to properly convey like what it actually means to me and how impactful it is to me. Right. Like I, I try my best, but I'm going to fall so short every time because it, it just means the world to me yeah. when people are coming out to my stand up shows and they are just so inconveniently placed because I'm an open mic comic. I'm not an established comic. I'm up right. and coming, you know? And so I'm having to do really shitty time slots in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to get people out to my shows all the time. And it's so impressive. And I just, I'm like writing their names down that way. I, when I do get to the platform and to the, you know, to the reach I'm able to get, I can, you know, properly thank them and convey my thanks to them and my gratitude and appreciation for get me to that point. Yeah. I need to come see one of your shows. Um, I've got one you, Tuesday. Yeah. It's on Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty quick. Um, so don't come to that one. Yeah. I, I, if you got like a weekend show. So that's there's certain times where I purposely won't invite my friends because I know they're so supportive that I've got to make sure I'm testing it material in front of people who don't just naturally love me and don't know me right. and have no baseline of knowing me. Right. If they sense. happen to like randomly show up and they're like, hey, I want to go to a comedy show and oh, LaPresci's performing that night. <laughs> then that's fine. But every now and then I won't promote one just because I want to try out some new material. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe the thing about standup is when you tell a story or a joke, that's called a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So if I had a joke that was talking about me and you had a funny canoe trip and we fell over, that would be a bit, right? Okay. No matter how good I do it the first time, I'm going to have to keep workshopping that idea. And I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe I want to try this line here. Or I had another good thought about how I could convey that message and I want to try it out. And I have to try that bit out dozens, if not hundreds of times until where I feel like, you know what, when I put this word here, I pause here and then I deliver it this way. That is about as good as I think that joke is going to be. That is the best I can be. You're just constantly spinning these ideas in your head, aren't you? And that's what's tough, man. (laughs) Like all day, every day. Yes. And that's what's tough because when I deliver a bad joke, it doesn't necessarily mean the joke is bad. I could actually have a really good concept there. Right. The the first time I did a stand-up set on a Monday the host comes out and she's warming up the crowd and the comics in the back we're laughing. She's doing a great job. The crowd is completely dead, not reacting at all. And one of the more established comics goes, buckle up everybody. It's just going to be one of those nights. And every comic that went out was delivering great jokes. And it, it was just like a very empty. Uh, there were probably only like 15, 20 people out okay. and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't hit no matter what jokes. There were a few comics that got a good last, but most of the comics were delivering great jokes. Just wasn't one of it was one of those nights, man. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you ever get stage fried up there? Or? So the first time I went up there, it was I was so dialed in with my jokes, and it was so good, and I literally had an out of body experience, <laughs> and I awesome. equate it to like what King Leonidas kind of had in Three Hundred right before he's about to kick the Persian messenger in. Okay, and I felt like I had the crowd in the palm of my hands, and I just looked over. And one of my friends just like made eye contact with me and was like the queen and just gave the nod. And then nice. I just start going on a rampage and killing the jokes. And I just yeah, remember probably we'll keep you going forever. Yeah. I remember <laughs> like getting the reactions I thought, and I knew I could get from the crowd and just again, levitating above myself and looking at the moment. And I felt so in control. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to be able to go or what type of career I'm going to be able to make out of this, but I know it's what I want to 
continue doing and for lack of a better phrasing die trying to do and okay. die becoming you know cool, man you sound like you're on the same mission that i'm on <laughs> trying to yeah like That's podcasting awesome. and stand-up i really want i want my um, life's work and my careers to eventually become that's interesting. That's fun stuff. Uh, the second set, yeah, I, I don't know um, anybody else trying to do it. No, the <laughs> second set, and it was a while. Um, I noticed probably my first four sets, I had to force myself all day to basically the bare minimum of calories. My my stomach was just naturally not wanting to have anything go into it because of the nerves, you know. Okay. And I maybe my first three or four sets that I've done, I noticed in those days I maybe had six or seven hundred calories worth of food that day. I just could not eat. I had to force myself to eat the bare minimum. The second set, I could feel myself almost pass out. And I sat down. I watched the tape. You really can't tell. I I delivered it and I was dialed. But I was like, all right, no matter what happens, you've got to try like a little bit more and you've got to eat more. And I was talking to Larry Korn, Garrett's dad, about it. And um, he's a defense lawyer. And he talks about trials that he, especially like big trials that he's been a part of. He Mm -hmm. said he's experienced like this similar stuff, you know. And Mm -hmm. he's like... Like anything, the more you do it, you get better with it. You right. get better at it. It's a skill that you can develop. Yeah. It's just this confluence of like every every emotion going through you at once of like just fear, amazement, <laughs> feeling like you're in control, just enthusiasm, just oh, the yeah. adrenaline is pumping. And when you when you get up there and you have a great set, man, <laughs> it is the most intoxicating feeling I've ever experienced in my life. I just... Amazing. I can't imagine that. That's my skydiving. That's my adrenaline rush right okay. there. That's what I imagine people who are skydiving oh, I'd r- feel I'd like. I'd much rather jump out of a plane and deliver a comedy set. That's that's <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's so funny how that works, right? I'd rather ride two bulls at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be riding and running from the bulls at the same time. Yeah, I'd rather exactly. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> it's so funny how different people react to different stuff that way where it's like you would much rather jump out of an airplane than get up on stage and talk for four minutes yeah yeah and it's funny because people have never done it they're like oh all you're doing is four minutes listen that's a lifetime up there trying to have a one-way conversation and make people laugh yeah (laughs) yeah i couldn't do that Maybe I could if I push myself. To yeah, do it, but. because like different public speaking, you're trying to deliver a message. You're not necessarily trying to like we're trying to get a reaction, you know, not necessarily we're delivering a message, but we hope that message gets a reaction, you know, <laughs> whereas a lot of other times in public communication, it's like maybe the reaction could just be an added bonus. You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like there's as much of an intent with other forms of public speaking. I was actually on stage with one of my woodworking projects recently. Yeah. I about passed out. <laughs> what uh what was the scenario and setting? Um so I made this I read this book called The Ten X Rule by Grant Cardone. And uh I saw that post on there. Did you get to meet the guy? Yeah, I met him. I was on stage with him, shook his hand. Wow, on stage. how in was that? Of, in front of a thousand people. I was like I was speechless. I was like, Oh my god, this is crazy. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. I just made a book cover of this guy's book and like the week that I finished it, I found out he was gonna be in Atlanta that weekend. I was like, No fucking man. I gotta go to this thing. That's so I- I that, took it there. Like, it's just a universe. That's where love That's literally yeah. the secret right now. You're literally right. telling, like, the plot of the secret. So, right. Again, this is why hearing right. stuff like that is why I believe in it. Right. You know? Yeah, I was thinking about... But you put action behind it, I. I was thinking the whole time. I was like, it's going to be so cool if he sees this. And, like, I finally finished it. Thought it was awesome. I was like, I got to show him. I got to show him this thing. And I took it up there. And 
he brought me on stage. It was unbelievable. Wow. Did one, you... of the, one of the 700 billionaires on this, in this world. Oh, he was a billionaire? Yeah. Wow. My woodworking, my like fourth project introduced me to a billionaire. And and he shook your hand. Yeah. Who broke the handshake? I don't even remember, dude. I was blackout. You. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, no big deal. No big blackout. deal. No big deal. He's like, "What do you do?" I'm like, "Oh gosh, what do I do?" Oh, I'm an engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you. You're my hero. <laughs> well, like, I'm not even a super fan of his. Like, I, I, I liked his book a lot. And... I ride two bulls. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I ride and run from them. I ride and run from them. <laughs> but yeah. That did not go well. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I was doing it, I was like, I was envisioning, like, he's going to see this. He's going to think it's so cool. He's going to share it on Facebook. And that didn't necessarily So you manifested happen. it, man. Yeah, I think so. That's like the exact secret. Like, that's the secret. That's what the book's about. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's so wild to hear yeah. that experience, dude. It was. That, that's the kind of thing that keeps me going. Like, the time that you got roaring laughter yeah like that that moment yeah is that's keeping me going that's like, your killing right there yeah like you're you're killing it when right. you're just like i yeah it's like you're on everybody in the room and the universe it's like you've gotten onto the same wavelength of energy and you're right. just along for the ride you right. know yeah and that's what it, that that's what it kind of was when i was having like it felt like i was literally levitating above me watching it and it was cool because it felt like I was the one above and I was more focused and down the one on stage was just on autopilot. Yeah. So I felt like I could watch myself as a fan and it was just kind of cool to enjoy the, enjoy the wave. That was awesome. You were, you were a, an audience member of your own show. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go back and you watch the film and then again, just time to critique and um, you're like, that's where I floated out of my body right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there he is. And yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, you just got to critique and get better. Even the good sets, even the good sets, you know, that's where I've got to really tell myself like, okay, you had a good set, but are we leaving some laughter on the table? Are we leaving some great right. material on the table? Keep tinkering, keep pushing. Do you only perform at the laughing school? Or? So I have so far. And okay. that's another thing, man. I can get very, um, I build stuff up so much in my mind mm -hmm. that um, I always think it has to be perfect. And I never actually... I want to mitigate all the risk and get rid of all the risk. Mm -hmm. When in life does that happen? <laughs> Never, <laughs> Never, right? <laughs> Never. I just saw somebody say something that was so profound and it's so simple. But when you think about it, it really makes sense. It's like you're pretty much anything you start at, you're going to suck at. Yeah. You're going to suck out. You may have hints or moments where you're good at something and it like yeah. you're a good artist and that's what got you onto this woodworking path. But yeah, you're still going to suck and you're going to go through the learning curves, the obstacles. You have to be the fool before you can be the master. Yeah. And so I've got to just keep getting out there and know that not every set is going to be good. I'm going to have good ones. I'm going to have bad ones, but those bad ones are probably going to be more beneficial. If I'm able to get the bad thoughts out of my mind, approach it constructively like you mm -hmm. did be like, woo, that sucked. But you know what? I know, and I've got tangible, concrete proof that I can make a room full of people laugh, and a lot of people laugh. We right. just got to figure out and go back to the drawing board. Yeah, just if you take every failure as a learning lesson, it's yeah, it's not bad. Absolutely. You, know, my buddy uh, told me one time that his dad used to tell him "fail" was an acronym for first attempt in learning. Okay, so, I think I've heard that one before. So I like that a yeah, lot, I man. Do like that. One. Was but, it hard to get a spot at the laughing school or? It is. It is. Um, you have to email them and it takes them because they've got so many comics that are coming. Right. Through there. I think that's like one of the top. That and Punchline are really the only comedy clubs in Atlanta. What about Dad's Garage? That's more for improv. 
I wonder if they so do. Funny. Yeah, I wonder if they do any stand-up shows. But I know I've taken uh, some classes at Dad's Garage okay. and did that. But then I realized I like stand-up and really podcasting. A what does a What does a comedy class look like? Like a stand-up class look like? I've never done a stand-up comedy class, but with improv comedy class, oh, there are improv. certain rules. So one of the rules of improv class is if you and I were doing a scene, uh-huh. you always agree with your partner. You know, it's they tell you yes and okay. so. It's me and Tyler. It's like, hey, man, what are you doing? It's like, hey, didn't you remember? We've got our tennis lesson that we're going to go to today. It wouldn't be good in improv. Maybe if you were really experienced, uh-huh. like seasoned improv, you could get it. But it wouldn't be good to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that again. It kind of like kills the scene. and okay. kills the momentum. Okay. You're like, oh, I did forget about that. Did I tell you that I needed to get my racket, you know, rewired or whatever they call <laughs> yeah, it? Strong. So stuff <laughs> like that. So they teach you rules about improv. You're doing a lot of... um. A lot of um, God, like tongue twist ep- um, exercises okay. at the beginning, just to get your speech and everything going, just okay. to kind of warm up. And then um, you'll do a lot of a lot of games and stuff that you saw on Whose Line Is It Anyway mm-hmm. shows like that. A lot of the questions games, okay. you know, just where you can only speak in questions. What are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? And you can't get like too repetitive all okay. the time and take yeah. their questions and like repeat. Be like. Hey, are you ready to go to the dinosaur museum today? You can't go. Does it look like I'm ready to go to the dinosaur museum today? And then I would be like, well, would you want to go get ice cream instead? Does it look like I want to go get ice cream? It's like, then you're just ripping them off and you're not actually, you're just kind of copying and repeating. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, there's other rules and stuff. uh, But like last time I did it, we only got about two or three classes in and then pandemic happened. So. I mean, how, how do you teach yourself? I mean, do you watch YouTube videos on other like training tutorials and that kind so, of stuff? Or? Right now, what I'm trying to get myself into the habit of when I get my recordings, I buy my recordings mm-hmm. and then I'm just going through dissecting and seeing what I could have done better. Sometimes it's notes like, hey, mm-hmm. you went into that next line way too quickly. You need to let it breathe. Like, but like, can you read books on stand up so you can start looking at your own sets from a different perspective? Yeah, I'm sure you can. And then I need to start watching stand ups on Netflix and Hulu and other stuff and kind of just seeing like, all right, what were what were they trying to get to punchline wise in the joke? And how did they get there? How mm-hmm. did they set it up? What are they doing? And just kind of study it. Yeah, okay. you know? And it's it's going to be a sucky, slow process at first. But like anything, you get better if you can be right. consistent and you know, that that's another thing that if you can just be consistent in life, man, <laughs> whew, you, you you can get good at a lot of stuff. If you're yeah. just day in, day out, just on a routine, on practicing, you just, just got to show up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I, I got to get more out there and keep going around to different clubs, different bars, different like cafes and stuff and okay. just get material out there yeah. and feeling out different audiences, trying my lines and my jokes different ways. And eventually you'll. You'll be on so many stages, you'll feel like you're just talking to friends, probably. Yeah. Like, you'll yes. feel the same comfort level as talking yes. to a friend. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That That's a goal, to get as comfortable as I am with these podcasts, and I feel, like, very more comfortable. At least having the conversation part. Mm-hmm. That's that's the easy part for me. Figuring out the audio equipment and how, how to get that fine-tuned, Um, that's... Whew. <laughs> that's a learning curve, man. That's a learning curve. Yeah, you got to do everything if you're starting your own business. Yeah, pretty much, man. And that's, I kind of feel not to insult yours because yours feels like an actual business. I'm just an idiot with a microphone talking. So hey, you're showing up though. You've got an actual product you can give people. I'm just yeah. talking and like, hey, let me talk about your wood stuff and you know, all that. So 
Just keep creating, keep at it. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm trying to you gotta think long term, 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. 10 and a half. Okay. 10 and three quarters. <laughs> Ten and, Ten and a half of a, a half of a decade, or so fifteen years, <laughs> a half a year. <laughs> There's this one line in New Girl where Schmidt's like, "I've been in business in uh, over nearly ten. Uh, he's like over nearly a decade. He's like, what's over nearly a decade? He's like, he's like not eight years, but you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, it's been more than eight, but not over a decade or some way. He phrased it like that somehow. So, yeah. Well, what's your uh, what's your next project that you're going to be working on for woodworking? Um, I got a lot. I'm kind of what sucks is a lot of stuff is trademarked. Like I have new ideas um, for things that already exist, like Mario type stuff or mm. you know college stuff. All that stuff's trademarked, so you can't really legally sell it um, without getting the license. <laughs> but there's there's so many cool ideas that I have with things that are licensed, and I'm just like. Mm. I want to make it, but I can't really post this and say that I'm selling it. And like, I've got some friends who own some small businesses and stuff, and they've been looking for like signage and stuff. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll point them your way. Like, I love making new things for sure, like things yeah. that don't exist yet. Um, I got some really cool like bookshelves that I want to make. Um, yeah, I, I noticed you've done like a lot of signs. Do you do anything like actual furniture, or are, are you into that type of woodworking? Um, I mean, I built a workbench and. Okay. Built that hot sauce rack. That um, was sweet. Yeah. Did you did you send it to Hot Ones? I have not done anything like that yet. You need to send that thing to Hot Ones. <laughs> That's what I would do. I think there's a lot of opportunity there with that hot sauce rack. Um, what, what do you mean? Like, well, it went viral on the internet. Yeah. 30,000 yeah. 30, people liked it. Um, as, as what I need should. to do is I really should just create a website specifically for that thing. The hot talk, sauce rack. Talk to a manufacturer. Try to get a manufacturer to build it. Get it mass produced. Sent it out to people directly. Mm. Like that's something I need to try to do. Um, no, no. What might be a good starting point? You know, there's um, I literally believe if it's still there, there's a hot stock, a hot sauce store at the Woodstock outlets. Right. Yeah, I think I could sell it to any hot sauce store. I could sell it to Firehouse Subs. Wouldn't it be cool? Have that in Firehouse Subs. Remember, they used to have like 20 hot sauces. Did they? Oh, you never? No. Uh, I, um, <laughs> not a big hot Firehouse Subs guy. No, I love Firehouse oh, okay. Subs, man. They're, um, the engineer is one of my favorite. Okay. They've got one of the best meatball parms, uh, you can get. Yeah, pre, pre pandemic, though, they had like 50 hot sauce racks on every counter. Mm. Or not hot sauce racks, 50 hot sauces. Yeah. Um, but it'd be so cool to have my hot sauce rack, just a flame, you know? Yeah, absolutely. With, with all the hot sauces in Firehouse Subs, the place I had my and first a, job at. Yeah. Oh, that's where your first yeah. job is? Just come full circle. I, I need to manifest that more and actually do some action. Imagine <laughs> you just, my audience members and people who are listening out there, just close your eyes. You're at a Firehouse Subs. You see this strapping young man riding in on two bulls with the most gorgeous looking hot sauce rack you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's a good that, image. That like would be that. awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll try and uh, get some of my friends who own businesses and yeah. have been looking for signage. I'll um, get them going your way with anybody. I'm yeah, I'm up for any challenge. Absolutely, here. and eventually I'm going to have you make a sign for La Press and Guest Podcast yeah, once I get this studio. Be tough. You're, you're able to add color to the sign to the wood. Yeah, yeah, paint yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Because Blaine Gray actually did my podcast uh, logo. Okay. For. Uh, for my podcast. Oh, he made it. Yeah, he did it on like a Galaxy tablet or something. Is and he a digital 
like marketer or something? No, I think that's just kind of uh, like one of his hobbies and one of his releases. Okay. Just something he likes to do. That's one thing I would like to have somebody who uh, could create a logo for well, different for different um, customers. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't know how much free time he has, but um, you know, I can get you in contact with him or see if there's any other. What would you, what would that be like? A graphic designer, graphic yeah, graphic artist? designer. Yeah. I'll, We'll I, I, have a, I have a feeling I'll be connecting with some graphic designers eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it takes a long time to create stuff and come up with ideas for stuff. Um, mm. So they'd kind of give you like an idea, like a sketch or a drawing, and then you would just turn that into the wood? Yeah, the if wood. they gave me like a 2D drawing, I could just turn it into a 3D sign. Mm. You know, um, If I'm making enough signs where a graphic designer, I could like subcontract them. Yeah. Contract them. Um, I don't know, there's a lot of things. Slowly but surely, you'll get there. It's just got to keep going. You'll get there, man. I, I, I see nothing but great things in store for you. And, I appreciate And again, that. what makes it even better is you're just a great guy, Ty. I don't know if I've told you that. I, if I haven't, cer- it certainly isn't enough. You are genuinely just a very good, caring person, man. I try to be. Yeah, well, it it, it comes off as just... You're the same, you're the same. (laughs) Again, going back to what we talked about, when you're surrounding yourself with as many great people like yourself, it just kind of naturally happens, right? Yeah, if you put enough good out in the world, it's just a matter of time before it comes to you, you know? Yeah. Well, man... I am so grateful for you coming over, talking shop, talking about your your woodworking, all the races you've done, and just life in general, man. It's been such an enjoyable conversation, dude. I am I'm sorry I butchered the email that I was supposed <laughs> to send to you. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, Amy Bridges, but I forgot <laughs> to send her. But I said the only thing I really like to do in my podcast is have a great conversation, and that's why I'm so fortunate I get guests like you because my podcast, all the great feedback i've received from it is 100 percent my guest if it's yeah. ever bad it's because of me but all the good positive feedback i get is because of guests like you right the only thing like segment i like to do is end it with a quote were you able to <laughs> get a quote on such short notice <laughs> uh i have one quote that i really like uh whether you think you can or think you can't you're right you gotta believe in yourself, man. It's all about that mindset, man. People, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, or as I say it in my intro, dudes and dudettes, get that mind right. You know, get just that mind right. sometimes you just have to have blind faith and know you're more capable of what you give yourself credit for. We always short ourselves of our potential and our possibilities so much. What? What if we? What if we stop that nonsense, yeah, what Ty? If we, what if we stop that? Stop that nonsense. Yeah. Absolutely. You need cheerleaders, yeah, not thanks, vultures. Yeah, and thanks for bringing me on the show. I look forward to checking back in five to 10 years from now. And yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a totally different story. Absolutely. Right. And when people, when they hear this episode and they want to reach out and they want to buy your products, where can they find that at? Uh, just on Facebook. Uh, reach out to me personally or on Welshwood. Yeah. There's and a Welshwood Facebook page I haven't shared yet. I want to make sure I'm fully into this before I... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll uh, I'll make sure um, that I put any uh, stuff you want in the episode description so they can go on and follow the links. And okay. I'll make sure that I spell your name correctly. <laughs> yeah. I was shocked when I found out it was spelled my that way. My name has been misspelled hundreds of times in my lifetime. My last name is Lepressi, so <laughs> I can. I was just so confident when I entered that name. I was like, this is how you spell it. That leave no doubt. This is how you spell it. And then you sent me your email. I was like, there's an S in there? And you're like, yeah. It's like. How long has that been there? And you're like, since... Yeah, it's been less than two days since I've seen someone online spell my name like that. So, yeah, spell my name wrong. All right. Well, Ty, thank you so much for coming out, brother. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone.